Hey ballers, welcome to If These Balls Could Talk with a trio in the midst of the final frontier like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. This is Mark along with John and Pete. As a kind reminder, if you like what you hear or see, please hit that subscribe button. Tonight with us being episode number eight of the season, we welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Jeffem Pycars. Good evening, Jeffem. Hello, boys. Lucky number eight. Lucky yeah, this number triple, eight. This triple eights now? This is technically quad, 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 quad eights. Quad eights. Season eights. four. Yeah. Season four. It's almost five of a kind. But not, not only are we in the middle of season four, but I want to wish everyone a happy one year anniversary. That's right. Woo! If these balls could talk is one year old. You happy it, anniversary, guys. everyone. Wow. We haven't made any money yet, but it's okay. Feels like <laughs> feels like just yesterday that we started that first podcast, like the day after we're like, we should do a podcast. Okay, let's do a <laughs> test. Okay, this is going to be the first episode. Okay. <laughs> It did. It did really move like that. It and John, much. I, I apologize. I'm going to be coughing a little bit, so that's going to make editing Sorry. fun. <laughs> it's all right. We have to uh, cut off the 20 minutes. I was fucking around with the stream, so it's all good, all right. man. It's so, all good. How's everyone been, John? Uh, John, let's start with you. Um, we bought a brand new bed, so I Ooh. stayed home. Well, I stayed home Ooh. from work today to um to pick up Jamie from school. Is what I do. Um, I, I work from home, but I was like, oh, I'll send the bed today. So the guys were coming, and I had a meeting, and I was like. Better get here before my meeting, or um, they're gonna knock, and I'm not gonna get them. I'm not, but they made it. They made it. It's okay. beautiful. I hope it's comfortable. Awesome. What kind of bed is it? Uh, that's a sort of sleeper. Ooh. Oh wait, we you haven't tried it out yet? Ah, uh, I mean, I like laid on it for ten seconds. But tonight will be the first. It. Tonight will be the first oh, no. night that you sleep on it. The things you get excited Ooh. about when you're almost forty three. I tell you what. Oh, seriously. Hey, a mattress is a big deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And my yeah, sugar absolutely. mama bought it for me. Ooh, Amazing. your sugar mama. <laughs> no, she did. She did. She did. She wanted a bed, and I was like, "Well, I can't afford a bed." She's like, "I could afford a bed." I'm like, "All right, cool. Let's do it." Awesome. Excellent. Pete, how about you? Give us an update on Baby Watch. <laughs> well, as we uh, before the stream started, we heard from pregnant sideline reporter Stephanie Ford Seven <laughs> on, on the status of Joe Burrow's wrist. As for us, uh, this will be the last show before we are parents. Woo! Because if she does not go into labor by Monday the 20th, she's going to get induced and that'll be that. So uh, yeah, we're, we're at the end end game now. Pete, I'm honored Wait, that I get to be on the your last show before the baby. Okay. Oh my God. Steph just punked me. What'd she do? <laughs> She just, she literally just walked she's over. She's not really, she's not really pregnant, is she? <laughs> no, she, no, no, she, she just goes over and she's like, I'm having contractions, like all serious. And I was like, what? And she's like, wow. Are you did sure she drop, she's did she, did she drop yes. a water bottle like in the office? I, I, <laughs> it's like, no, oh, my oh, water that broke. Been really, that would have been really bad. Mark wants to know if you dropped a water bottle in, uh, on the floor. That would no, yeah, now now it's the boy who cried wolf syndrome. Now I'm not going to believe you. Yeah, you better be careful. That, that'll be the that'll be the whole joke. I, <laughs> I really had a baby. <laughs> oh, saving a hospital bill. No, that's oh, right. right. Oh my gosh, I'm doing fine, guys. <laughs> yeah, how's, how's Mark doing? <laughs> I'm still. About this. How are I you doing? Waiting. I was totally yes. waiting for like. So like, here it is, right? And I told Pete today when he told me he wanted me to run the stream for next week or for next show. I was like, well. I was going to test it next week. And so I'm literally too focused on the stream to talk and fill in the space. So okay, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask Mark. I will get Mark, better at filling in the space <laughs> as we progress. 
being both the producer and myself. So. Yes, everybody go go easy on John. I I threw this on him uh, at the last minute because we didn't know. Yeah, four uh, hours ago. Uh, I, I didn't even know. John, that you're I doing a great be, job. Uh, you're doing yes. a great job, John. Well, the stream's up and it's not 10 o'clock, so I feel good about that. Hey. There you go. There we go. There you go. Except I'm watching it in OBS, which is odd, but uh, whatever. Does that mean I get to be the color? I get to be the. You want to be the color guy? Yeah, you can be the color guy. I get to be the color guy tonight. (laughs) You get to be John Madden. Nice. (laughs) Boom, Mark. They're not going to win if they don't score more runs. (laughs) Can I talk about how salty I am that Joe Burrow's hurt? I was an actual playoff hunt for my dynasty league, but not with. No, not without Joe Burrow. Can we call this like topic zero? <laughs> not with a quarterback who doesn't have a hand anymore. He has a hand. It's just huge. So anyway, I just finished watching Chernobyl and, uh, you know, that's some horrific. It was an incredible documentary or like not documentary, but like a, you know, scripted show based mm-hmm. on the real events that happened. Uh, a docudrama to the nuclear power plant in. 19- yes. Docudrama. And that's um, the word. some of the people's hands when they touched like the the super highly irradiated uh, graphite that was in the core when it exploded and their hands would like puff up. That's like minus the blood and sores. That's what Joe Burrow's hand looked like minus as he was walking off the side. <laughs> it's, it's all too real. Jesus. By the way, if you, if you guys haven't uh, caught on, we, we only watch the Thursday night football game while we're recording this. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're actually, we're seeing this before. Well, I guess while everyone else is seeing it, but you're going you're gonna to hear about it well after it's happening. But that's why so we're talking about Joe Burrow, because it just happened. If you're listening to the podcast, go back in time and catch us live on YouTube to watch along. This is the day Joe Burrow stopped playing football. <laughs> that's a long career. All right. Well, well Mark, if, if Joe Burrow can't throw a pass, he's not going to be able to throw any touchdowns. Thanks, he has, a, he has a left hand. Maybe he'll pull a Patrick Mahomes and start throwing left-handed. So since Jeff is a frequent guest of the show, our audience knows him probably just as well as we do. So no questions today, but instead we're going to throw it back to Jeff with his very own segment, jeff has Got Balls. Take it away, Mr. Pikars. Ooh. Well, thank you, gentlemen. So, listeners, our esteemed hosts, John and Mark and Pete, have made some strong statements in the past and have had some very I live on strong statements, you guys. Erroneous! Uh-oh. It's my my natural state. However, they've left certain questions unanswered. Ooh. In this segment, which I'm nicknaming Holding Your Balls to the Fire, I'm going to ask them five questions inspired by previous episodes and Ooh. ask them to draw a line in the sand and share their opinions, how they would fix some of these situations. Are you guys ready? Hell yeah. I'm as ready as I can. Bring be. it on. All right. So I'm going to hit you with one. Bring it on down the question. Now, the way this will work is we'll throw it out there and I'm going to ask you, what would you specifically do? So I'm going to go around the room here. So John, you have often talked about the dire situation the Yankees find themselves in. A Jesus roster Christ. that is poorly constructed, a GM who has had been in his job for decades and has failed to act at several crucial times, a manager who has a middling record in his multiple years in the job, and now finishing second to last in their division. So, you guys are the president of the Yankees. What would you do to fix the organization? Well, I mean, I'd start firing Brian Cashman. There's nothing Brian Cashman is doing for the organization that is helping. I'd probably also fire Aaron Boone, who's a middling manager at best. I think that the Yankees themselves, at least from what I'm hearing in the offseason, are on the right track. 
they're looking to really like really actually get good starting pitchers and pad the starting pitching. Um, they're going after, and Jeff, I don't remember his name, but there's a giant Asian prospect that they're going after. Oh, yes. He's, um, he's, he's about to um, listen to him. I'll be, I'm forgetting uh, his I, name. John, since you're our, our, uh, our interim producer, maybe I should be the interim research department. <laughs> I'm doing all that's <laughs> fine. No worries. I'm not stressed. I think that um, they're also going after um, bah, 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 Drew Thorpe and um, Ben Rice. Um, so I think there is a lot of at least positive action going on in the Yankee camp. Um, will it fix anything? I don't know. The media that they're throwing on are, are just named today Cy Young Award winning starting pitcher is kind of impressive. They're like, ah, we didn't Spider Tech. He won, he, won the, he won the Cy Young. He didn't cheat. Everything's fine. Everything's great in Yankee camp. It's literally, it's literally the meme of the guy sitting in the fire. Literally. What do you think, Mark? Uh, so, first of all, that prospect's name is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Yes, Yoshinobu well, Yamamoto. He's 25 years old, and he, he sounds like he's almost like Pedro because he's listed at 510 and 176 pounds. That's almost mm. that's almost Pedro dimensions there. Uh what would dimensions. I I mean seriously what I, I mean Boone should have been fired last year after last year. Cashman definitely needs to be fired. I mean, wow. come on. I you, you got to start clearly what they've been doing is not working. So, it's time to move on to the left to the left, right? Beyonce fans. Anyway, they they have to have an actual plan. Getting all of the power right-handed hitters is not a very good plan. It's obviously. a full righty. It's a full righty lineup. It boggles when, the mind. When everyone bats two hundred, but they hit forty solo home runs, clearly you're not. That's not a very winning strategy, right? <laughs> no. Has any team tried to be an all lefty batting team? No, because that's awful too. That also <laughs> sucks. Uh, I will. I mean, they did try to get that one left-handed hitter, Joey Gallo, but he batted le- under 200, and I think he just had like 15 total home runs as a Yankee. That's not good at all. Yeah. Okay, so I'm hearing left-handed bats and basically fire the front office. Everyone. Well, everyone's got to go. I basically just have a plan. Go. Have a plan. <laughs> That's what I thought the Red Sox did wrong, too. It's like, what? what the, what the hell was your plan? It's like... I don't I don't get it. Like you start with one strategy and then, oh, well, I'm just going to completely change strategies now and and do this. It's like, no, you need to have like a long term plan in order to build a franchise. Okay, all right. So we need a long term plan, a new front office, some lefty bats and some pitching. So that's it. (laughs) Not not much. much. Little things. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We're moving on. Keeping it moving here, boys. Mark's New England Patriots are sitting at an AFC East Next topic. worst. <laughs> Two and eight. And the worst record of any Patriots team under Bill Belichick's reign to this point in the season. So you've previously discussed the classic, how much was it Brady and how much was it Belichick? But at this point, Brady's been in the rearview mirror for a number of years. So your fans want to know, how do you fix their beloved team in New England? What needs to be done and what would you do first? As much as I love Bill Belichick and love the fact that he brought the franchise six Super Bowls, I think it's time for Bill to go. He's been there for a Mm. while. His tactics just aren't working anymore or the team is not listening. If Bill stays, he needs to have someone in the front office help him 
on uh, recruit offensive players or or draft offensive players because what he's been doing on offense is just not working. He's amazing at defense. He he can draft defense all day long, but offense not not so much. So I th- I think he needs to give up the GM duties if he's going to stay, and there I needs agree. to be an actual GM. But I really think Bill's got to go. And as much as I was on the Mac Jones bandwagon and was was willing to ride it out with him. I think he's a good player, but he's not a player you win with. I want, a, I want a quarterback that you win because of, not kind of in spite of. Mm-hmm. Like, Mac Jones, again, quality player, but I think a quarterback, you need to win because of that guy, and Mac Jones just doesn't bring that game. John, what would you do now to fix the Patriots? I mean, I think he's right. I think that... Um, of course I'm right. I think that Bill Belichick needs to stop trying to be the coach and the GM. I just think it's an improper way to run a modern football team. I think that they need some serious help with their skill players. They have Ramondi Stevenson. That's it. I mean, I don't, I don't know who scores the touchdowns in New England as a not New England fan. Like, I just don't know. Um, because nobody many. scores the touch. Nobody <laughs> scores yeah, the touchdown right in New England at this point. Um, I think the only team that scores except- less is the Jets. Or the well, except for when the Patriots played Buffalo and suddenly Mac Jones looked like Tom Brady and I was spinning my head like, what? <laughs> Anything else you do, John? Go back to the days. I mean, I think that the NFL has consistently proven in the last five seasons that you need a top quarterback to be good. And if we don't believe that, let's look at the Houston Texans who won three games last year mm-hmm. and are going to probably get into the playoffs and CJ Stroud being at this point in the season, an MVP candidate, right? I mean, you can't tell yeah. me he's not an MVP candidate. Tank um, for Caleb. <laughs> right, right, right. Tank for Cal- Caleb Williams. Right. Tank for Drake May. Tank for somebody who isn't Mac mm. Jones, right? That's what I want the Giants to do. I, I hope, yeah. I hope the Texans start like actually like spending money around CJ Stroud for next year so that they they can actually they can actually like maybe be a contender next year. How fucking exciting are they? I mean really like Nico Collins is saving Jeffem's fantasy season. Saving is a loose term for Jeffem's fantasy season. But Nico (laughs) Collins is playing amazingly even though he's hurt. Tank Dell is playing amazingly for a tiny little human like me. But he's so good at catching footballs. They have Julian Pitre in their secondary. I'm just like that team as well as Detroit by the way Houston and Detroit have really proven what a rebuild looks like in the NFL because they're both contenders now and like serious mm-hmm. contenders. And they were both terrible, not even three seasons ago. Terrible. So bad. All right. So we fixed the Yankees and the Patriots. Now <laughs> yes. on to another team that you guys have made a number of statements about. And you talk about often the Buffalo Bills. Uh, oh, this is common. Just suffered another loss, this time at the hands of the Denver Broncos. In response, they fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Now, previously on the podcast, your opinions on the team have ranged from they're in trouble, they might be in trouble, and they're fine. So, (laughs) it's been quite the range. It's been quite the range. I mean, they've been fine until they were in trouble, and now they're in trouble. (laughs) So, after this latest loss, putting them at five and five for the season and the mm-hmm. coaching change. What do you think is happening in Buffalo? Are they okay? Or do they need to be fixed? And can they be fixed at this point? Before Pete goes, and I want Pete to really get into it. Yeah, Pete, Pete should go. Sorry. Um, <laughs> this podcast has stated numerous times that the play calling in Buffalo 
is really, really, really very basic. And I think we could call better plays than the play calling in Buffalo, right? Mark knows and I know and Pete knows that what they're going to do is they're going to pass it to Stefan Diggs or Josh Allen is going to run. That's it. Or four verticals. That's what they do. Or four (laughs) verticals, right? I mean, that's what they're going to do. Half of Josh Allen's interceptions have all been from the same play call. And yet they keep doing it. Prove your Um, point. It is it is a mirrored it is a mirrored option route where basically uh, your two wide receivers go short or long depending on what the DB does. Every single time the receiver has gone short and Josh thought they were going long or vice versa. And wait the wait 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 wait. So directly, both wide receivers have an option route and not just like one. Yes, on on either side of the field. Wait, there's more than one wide receiver. So this is a microcosm of the entire offensive scheme, and I'll explain it. So what happens on this play every time they run it is the DB knows this play exactly before they even run it. When they line up, they said, oh, yeah, this is that play. And they jump right in front of the ball because they know there's going to be a mismatch in communication between Josh Allen and the receiver. And they just jump it. And yet they and keep running it. it. Every, and they keep running it. So that is a microcosm of their entire offense. Where were the days where Josh Allen was the super aggressive quarterback who would jump over the linebackers? I mean, I think that's probably where they need to go back to where he's just told him not to (laughs) completely wildcatting and just making plays for himself and just being more athletic than the other guy. Brian Dable left. That's what happened. They had a very good offensive coordinator that knew exactly how to and Ken Dorsey is a bad offensive coordinator. I don't know if I'd call him bad, but he's a oh, ter- he was bad. He's a terrible <laughs> fit for uh, for the Bills. I'm sorry, Pete. If, if the three of us know what the play is, then yeah. that's a bad offensive that is, coordinator. That is pretty <laughs> bad. bad. So, coordinator, you guys. Yeah, it is pretty bad. I just don't want to get my hopes up that that Canningham is going to save anything because I don't. It, I think it's too late. It's fine. But if Dayball has another bad season at the Giants, and nobody will Maybe they'll just Bills. get him back. So sorry, John and Jeff. <laughs> I've been told basically from from analysts and from other NFL players, right? So players that have gone to the Bills from other teams have said this is the most complicated offense that they've ever had to learn. And simultaneously, when asked defensive backs of opposing teams when asked about defending the bills offense they said this is the simplest offense they've ever had to defend (laughs) so it is both the hardest to learn and execute and the easiest to defend that's funny (laughs) and i've I've seen i've watched a a lot of thing (laughs) yeah i've watched a lot of x's and o's breakdowns that basically dissect it and prove exactly why that is the case funny so they've turned josh allen into a extremely uh, scared and unconfident shell of his former self. And he basically is set up to always make the wrong decision. So okay. do we think, do we think the problems are solved with Ken Dorsey being gone? I mean, no. For 2024, they, if they, they still only also draft year. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I, I think they miss the playoffs and win eight to nine. You think they miss the yep. playoffs? I, I bet. I bet they finish eight and nine or nine and eight and miss the playoffs. You are not the Peter Joseph Peter that I know. Hey, I mean, <laughs> this they have they have to play the Cowboys, the you. Eagles, the Chiefs, <laughs> Miami. The Jets, who have already beaten them and beat them last year when they, well, then again, I guess they were still having Ken Dorsey, but. So, Pete, they're teasing you right now. So, Mark, John, what do you think? Do Hmm. you think it's been solved and do you think they'll end the season Mm -hmm. eight eight or nine wins? No. I mean, I don't think they'll make the playoffs this season. 
Um, I don't I, see no, how they no. could. No, all right, all right. So you, you guys were you guys shocked are when I said it, but then you, you said overreacting. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not shocked at all. I agree with you. They're on a. Uh, They're going to I have said this to all of you for many, many years, over and over again. That sports and especially playoff sports is entirely momentum. And they lost to the Broncos, you guys. The Broncos. So did the Chiefs. Does that mean the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs? The Chiefs are not (laughs) sputtering, Mark. They're not sputtering. And the Bills are I would beg to differ on that, my friend. Actually, the Chiefs' offensive numbers are worse than the Bills. I mean, but yeah. And and actually, there is some talk. Their defense is better than the Bills, though. That Russ is better this year. Maybe. He looked better. Javante isn't injured this year, so maybe the Denver Broncos aren't terrible. I mean, five games, but there's a lot of teams. Maybe Sean Payton actually knows what he's doing. Maybe Sean Payton actually knows what he's doing. And then the Denver defense, actually, if you don't count the Miami game, their defense has actually been pretty good. Yeah. So we just saw last week an eight to nine win team defeated another eight to nine win team. They're both. They're both right. They're both stuck in the middle of the pack right now. That's that's where they're at. And the AFC is a giant pack. It's every team You're is going to win eight, pack. eight to ten wins. <laughs> but you know who's going to win the AFC? The Baltimore Ravens, who are taking apart the Bengals right now. <sighs> yeah, they do. They they do kind of look like the best team right now. It, it, it's theirs or Kansas City's to lose right now. I right? think the Bills are st- guys. I still I still think the Bills are going to make the playoffs. Whether or not they're going to do do anything in there, I don't How? think so. You could have what every team. In the, every they team still- in the AFC North could be in the playoffs this year. That's that is true. That is that is a truth fact. Pete, is that um, what you call? We're gonna we're gonna get to that a little bit later. The Bills still have time to turn things around. Yes, their defense is a suspect just because of injuries for the most part. They and McDermott still have Josh Allen. They still have Josh Allen. They still have Josh Allen. They still have Stephon Diggs. Dalton Kincaid's been starting coming out too. They still have running backs too that maybe they'll decide to use with this new interim OC. Can I ask Here's why the thing. Leonard Mark, Fournette is sitting on the bench? They have been using them. They just run out of shotgun and get less than four yards of carry. The oh, running yeah. scheme is maybe the they worst. Maybe should do that a little It's bit. the worst scheme in the NFL. Maybe they should do it. Maybe Josh discuss. should go under center. All right. Yeah, I think that would the actually help. Broncos scored a touchdown, and for some reason, the Bills benched James Cook for a quarter. They came out of that Well, he did fumble kickoff. the ball. <laughs> they came out of that kickoff. They gave him the ball six times for gains, and they scored in a minute. Like a minute they scored. They ran the ball right down the field. It's the only time they did that the whole game. And they looked, and this is what I said to Pete, they looked like a better team for that one minute. They looked like a playoff team. They were just like, oh, these are the fucking Broncos. Let's just beat the shit out of them. That's the problem with that. They stopped again. That's the problem with that offense. It's impossible to go fast and and just breakneck speed because every play Mm. is reactionary. Once in a while, you get a chain of plays that works, but more often than not, it's it's not going to stay that way. What I'm hearing in the summary there is you guys are saying it was the right move to get rid of the offensive coordinator, but it may not save the season. Yes. That's not what I said. That's not what Mark says. That's what John Mark feels they will make it. I can't believe out of everyone, I'm the one that's the most positive on the Bills right now. I appreciate your optimism, Mark. All right. I just want to hire the guy who's whose quarterback still lives with his mom in Jersey. So yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. is that yeah. the next one? <laughs> we so are John, a little the, bit negative on the NFL right now. So John, the Danny died. No, no. <laughs> no, no. He's like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saving money. League minimum, you know, living with my parents in Jersey. Mom oh does my, my laundry. Mom why does why my would laundry. I leave? All right. So completely switching topics now. Last week, 
You discussed the effects of performing enhancing drugs were having on marathon running and how they were largely responsible for the shattering of a number of the records. So, how do you guys feel about performing enhancing drugs and running and sports in general, if you want to open it up a little bit? And how would you fix the problem? Parentheses there, if you think there is a problem. Hmm. Just have everyone take drugs. Next topic. <laughs> I can speak from experience of which I don't know if this was actually a performance enhancing drug or just a giant prank by our track coach in high school. But before an 800 meter race uh, in ECICs, which was like the all county uh, like track meet, kind of like sectionals idea. Maybe it was sectionals. Anyway, he was like, this concoction thing should boost your like uh, <laughs> adrenal, adrenal glands temporarily for the race and all this other stuff. And it's supposed to, it's some ancient Shaolin monk enhancement formula. And so my buddy and I were like, well, we're running the 800 against a tough, tough pack. So bottoms up. And it was the most awful tasting thing I've ever tasted <laughs> in my life. I'm like swishing around and he's like, hold it in. It'll, it'll enhance like your something. And we're like, I don't know. My stomach was on fire for that race, but I PR'd. So that to me is the summary of performance enhancing drugs and running. It's not great. So Pete's <laughs> condoning drugs, John. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an interesting thing you talk, when, when you think about it, right? Because you want everything to be clean, but I mean, every, Do we? <laughs> major, but every major professional sport, even though they fight against it, most major professional sports players are doing something, right? You know, they're doing the the whole baseball steroid scandal where all the players were playing to recover from injuries, but also they're like, oh, wow, that makes me feel really great. Now I can throw the ball really hard. Enhancing makes for more exciting sports. And so the question, right, the, 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 the entertainment value versus the ethical value is really very, very prominent when you talk about it like that, where you're like, I want sports to be exciting and I want the athletes to be healthy, but I don't want them cheating. But what is cheating, right? What is cheating? Yeah, where do you draw the line between an acceptable and, performance? In some respects, and yeah, in some respects, it's an arbitrary line. It's like, so steroids is against the rules, but there's other, there's also other enhancements that are legal. Like, right. so why are those legal and steroids is not? Right. And then the thing you brought up last week, which is actually a really good point when we talk about the ethics versus the entertainment and actually just like the positive social value, all the good that Lance Armstrong did, even though he cheated the entire time, is really is a question, right? You have to think about it because maybe he doesn't win 15 Tour de France's if he's not taking steroids. Like maybe he's just a loser with some weird yellow bracelets. And then like, like that's less interesting and it's less good for cycling and it's less good for sports. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it's funny that you mentioned cycling because that is like arguably the dirtiest sport. I mean, more than half of the cyclists are are probably doping. Yeah. Def, that was def, that was sports that was definitely doping. they're not not that, doping. that was that was definitely the case in Lance Armstrong's day. I don't know about now because you know Americans don't really follow cycling now that Lance Armstrong's not uh, winning. But so if everyone is doing it, does that make it bad? Or I don't know. So that's that's a rhetorical like, question. It's a rhetorical question. So it sounds like you guys are on the boat that there's not a problem. This it's it's okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Until I people start replacing their that. limbs with robot parts. I, I, think I mean, we're, maybe we're I want mandatory steroid, you know, cybernetic enhancement NFL. Like that would be really fucking cool, right? 
Here is here's the here's where it changes though. If you had a son, two of the four of us have a, a son coming, or yeah, or have a son right now. Mm. He wanted to be a professional or athlete or daughter. or daughter. Very very fair. Very fair. Yeah, we, Jamie might start doping. Three for three of the races. four of us have kids. I'm just <laughs> Maybe they want to become an athlete, and we want to we want to support what our kids do, right? What happens if they get made to the professional level? What happens if all of a sudden they get tempted for to, to use some kind of performance enhancing drugs? Not necessarily looking for an answer, but I think maybe our our views of the well, will, will our views change if the, in that scenario? I mean, in, in the world where, you know, most pitchers were doing something to stay healthy so that they could do the profession that they loved in a world where probably most NFL players are doing something so they don't die. I mean, I don't know if it's a health thing. I probably would be for the health thing. I mean, I yeah. am admittedly ethically gray when it comes to my kid. I think we, I think you are too, Jeff. I mean, if I had to, if I had to do some dirty shit to keep Jamie good, I would do some dirty <laughs> shit. I mean, I would. Just nothing that would have any long-term negative health consequences. I think. Yeah. Right. I but mean, that's like, the question. That's like the overall like health benefits versus the health sure. negatives. Keep in mind, I, I eat I eat chicken wings like three times a week. That's negative. That's bad. I for guess my that health is a too, So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Last one. Will has a really interesting question. Why are performing enhancing drugs okay, but non-performing enhancing drugs bad? Ooh. I mean, like pot. <laughs> Pot's great. Pot pot is definitely not a performance enhancing drug, but it's still illegal, right? There are, some that, argue, there are yeah. some, some that would argue. There are some that would argue pot metal. is an, a performance enhancing, yeah, I mean, enhancing drug. Okay. Anyway, just, yeah, yeah, it takes the one. edge off. All, All right. right. So, final topic off. here. A common topic on the show da, 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 is da. <laughs> not that one. Not their actual final topic here, folks. A common topic on the show is AI and the many ways it's rapidly affecting our lives and. As you guys referenced, how Skynet is going to be born any day now. Without getting into all the ethics of AI, if you could wave a magic wand and change anything about what's happening in the development of AI, or has already happened, what would it be? So I've said this before, and it's something that I truly believe in. There needs to be some kind of warning if if there's like a deep fake video out there. Because there's people out there that are going to believe that whatever they see is going to be true. So if someone does a deep fake video and they believe it to be true, but in reality it's not, because you can easily do, you know, maybe uh, Joe Biden saying that he 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 loves uh, Nazis, or Donald Trump saying, well, pretty much anything that he says. But yeah, <laughs> people are going to people are going to believe what they see, whether or not it's true th true or not, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't really see people doing kind of any kind of fact checking anymore. They just see something that they they already. Uh, they already believe and they, they see a video that agrees with their point of view, so they believe it to be true. Do I think that's going to happen anytime soon? No. AI I mean, to that's keep point, AI though. in check. That is um, what the federal government is saying. That's what um, actually a yeah, lot Joe of AI mandates, AI mandates are saying that there are going to be warnings. That's what Meta is saying. Um, mm -hmm. I think that the problem with where AI is going is, is more of a social, like, uh, like a social America problem. Um, and, and what I'm saying is there are a lot of people who, like Mark has been saying for a while, they don't really care 
what the news says as long as it agrees with their opinion. Like it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think on top of that, a lot of people are lazy. And so the idea that AI can do their work for them, and I know a lot of people who are getting their work done with AI right now. It's a dangerous amount of people, to be honest, um, because AI can code and AI can write and AI can do all the mundane shit that you do in your workday that you don't want to do. And it does it fine. Honestly, it does it fine. It writes really good prose and it writes acceptable code. And if you, if you really are just like playing online poker all day and you want to get eight hours of work done, it's a really good tool. But what does that do? I can for, do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what does that do for creativity in the next hundred years? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we've all seen idiocracy. We're, we are approaching that in, at a rate that I don't really want to talk about. So what would you change, John? Um, I don't think it's a changeable thing, honestly. I don't think we're ever going to make enough social changes to make people not the way they are. Mm. I, think, mm. I think it's moving a little faster than society probably realizes, and it's yeah. just going to go at a pace where it's just going to be out of control. What would yeah. I change? I'd probably assassinate Sam Altman because he's a scumbag and he should not be <laughs> in the center of it. Oh, damn. Um, like, like the opinions of John Campani are not necessarily um, those of Anthony Balls Guitar. Like not a nice person. And I think that ethics in bleeding edge technology is really important. And I don't I mean like I don't think Sam Altman is very ethical. And to be honest, I don't think a lot of big corporate uh high tech guys are ethical. I would subscribe to right. Will said he would subscribe pretty much to anyone newsletter. who's a billionaire, right? Is probably not right. ethical. Right. I mean, you don't become a, yeah. you don't, you don't, there is literally no way to become a billionaire and be a nice person. Yeah. I've, that's, that's I'm a nice yeah. person and I am not very rich. Yes. Preach to the choir, Keep, man. Right. All right. Eat well, the rich. Pete, anything you'd like to add before we close the segment? Keep it as a tool. That's, you know, that's the extent of it. All right. <laughs> oh, and AI, well, AI, combating other ai well thank you gents for participating and holding your balls to the fire folks you've heard it they put it in writing now or at least uh, i'm sure there's some ai bot that has it's been in writing for a whole year <laughs> we're all AI. now we guys. can get on with the rest of the show all right are we, are we all ready right. to kick off the shindig yes let's go uh, hell yeah we're gonna have so many topics this this episode it's the first topic yeah so in late breaking news Michigan and uh, football head coach Jim Harbaugh has decided to accept his three-game suspension that the Big Ten doled out to him last week. As a reminder, Harbaugh is being punished for an Ocean's Eleven-type plot to steal signals from their opponents. While the Big Ten conference did an investigation of the allegations, it has been reported by multiple outlets that there was no solid proof that Harbaugh had anything to do with the scandal. Although, let's be serious, he did. So, everyone, <laughs> what are our thoughts on the Michigan scandal, and why do we think? Harbaugh accepted his punishment as is. Because he was guilty. Next topic. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of other theories going on. So, so he, was, he, was, he was saying he was innocent this whole time. Mm. And then they were, they were supposed to be... So he, he, he did miss out on the game last week against Penn State. There was like a whole appeal process. He was supposed to go to court tomorrow and essentially plead his case. And then for whatever reason today, they said... We're good. <laughs> now, there's, there's a couple theories out there. One is, yes, he truly was guilty and that he's just accepting his punishment. But I don't actually believe that, that was, that's why they accepted it. Um, 
This is what I think. I think he's going to go to the NFL next year. Mm. Wait a second. I think he's, no, no, no. Just, well, back, back the fuck up. <laughs> Why <laughs> would an, a, a reasonably powerful white man accept his punishment? Let's just roll that around in our heads for a little bit. <laughs> I don't bit. know. I don't listen. Because I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to pretend I know what's going on in the head of Jim Harbaugh, okay? He ain't okay. All right? I mean, he's like, like he's done a lot of shady of stuff. Being like, "Hey, I probably did the thing to get a better job." It's dumb. It's stupid. He would never do maybe that. Maybe Michigan maybe Michigan told him it's like you have to pay for your defense lawyers cuz he was guilty. He he just might be that guilty. kind of person that just fails upward. Yeah. I read a little bit on this and I was curious about it. I guess what I would say about it is I'm pretty sure what happened is he basically was like, oh, they're going to screw me. I'm going to get like suspended for the season. And then they go, he got all ready to you know, defend against it, got his whole defense lined up. And then they said, we're going to give you a three game suspension. He's like, oh, that's it. Oh yeah, I'll take that. No problem. Like, so it's dude, I don't know, man, if you look, there were like videos of the guy he hired on the sideline wearing the other team's Jersey. I mean, it's like, they got him like dead to red. He was that's right. Guilty. Exactly. It's clear that they were, <laughs> there's doing no it. way he didn't know. There's no way he yeah. didn't know about it. Of course. There's no knew. way. Oh, but hey. I mean, yeah. The punishment for these kinds of things is so laughable. I, I mean, know. three games, right? That's a joke. Yeah. That's. And I mean, suspending the code, like, like what is that going to do? I mean, take out, I mean, you know, we'll, Will Jim Harbaugh go to the NFL next season? Maybe it's going to convince him to go to the NFL next year. No, there's Probably. a lot of teams yeah. that need coaches. Hey, I heard the sure. Patriots are going to need a coach. So yeah. Patriots <laughs> are going to need a coach. The Giants are going to need a coach. Yeah, <laughs> Dave will be fine. Dave will be on the team next year. Uh, yeah, I think they gave Dave one more year. Hey, I, I, I gotta say, and, and and I don't know. It's not Brian Dable's fault that the Giants are bad. However, he, the Giants are not. A lot, they're the Giants are a lot worse than they were two seasons ago, like he, significantly. The idea of going from a passable Danny Dimes and like, you know, four to six to eight wins every season to Tommy fucking DeVito and two wins <laughs> is a big jump. But wait, 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 wait. They didn't start the season with Tommy DeVito. So what's the, what's the difference? Big difference between this year's team and last year's team. That was a playoff team and won um, a playoff game. Clearly, uh, they're not using it. Off- a decimated enough. offensive line. Is it the same offensive line as last year? No, they lost a lot of players. Yeah, I think they, uh, they got injured. They and, gave, and no, they gave people. up a lot of guys. They gave oh, they up did. a lot of guys because oh, okay. they I built they the team incorrectly. They just built the team incorrectly because I don't know what they were thinking, but they were like, I mean, I think the Waller pickup was because they had to give Danny not, Dimes money. <laughs> they had to give Danny Dimes Honestly, money. Honestly, that's that's part of it, right? You pay for suddenly you lose forty million dollars salary cap to this year is not the first year. Oh wait, is it? Is this is is this year the first year of that extension? Yes, but I because read they didn't they didn't pick up the option. That's I read right. an interesting mm. article this week on Danny Dimes, and um, the idea that the Giants were playing the last six years since they drafted Saquon Barkley in the first round is that teams can't build. They just can't. They can't build around a running back. Not and anymore. They were trying. They were not really anymore. trying, and and well, that goes all the way up to franchise tagging him and not Danny Dimes. They should have franchise tagged Danny Dimes. They should have gave Barkley what he wanted. They should have mm-hmm. because Danny Dimes isn't the guy, and he never was the guy. They drafted him too early. So I mean, the structure of this whole team drafting Danny Dimes, drafting a white Ivy League quarterback. From a meddling school in the first round is is bad. 
but he has bad, a cool nickname. Bad. Not even he was like what oh, he was like number nine. Number no, nine. Was, like I, yeah. they, they, there's no way he was that high in anyone else's draft board. Why would in you draft him at in nine? a draft where good quarterbacks were drafted? Wasn't that the draft were, class of Justin Herbert? Yes. I mean, it was. Yes, it was. That was. Wow. Although Herbert just, was gone by that time. Well, the other thing I was going to add, though, bring it back to your Harbaugh question mark. Yeah. He's also facing more charges. Oh, absolutely. That they, that they That's tabled. why he's gone next year. No, no I agree. I, honestly, oh, okay. I think there's a lot of merit to what you said, because and they tabled them until next year, basically. Yeah. They said, okay, we'll we'll mm. review these at the beginning. He has of next a whole season. laundry list of scandals yeah. that I didn't list off because we're out of time. Oh, okay, so that, <laughs> that, that yeah, kind of seems like time. then he may. So what does he do then? Sit out a season or you know fail? No, he just goes to the NFL next year. Yeah, too big to fail. Coach goes to NFL. Next topic. Now, <laughs> so, in honor of Jeff and being here, um, I wanted to talk about the new Mets manager, Carlos Mendoza. He stated in his first press conference that he expects the Mets to compete in 2024, uh, going on to say, don't forget, this is a team that won 100 games not too long ago. And so Mendoza is the third manager now since Uncle Steve took the reins and bought the team back in 2020. Uh, Mendoza goes on to say that he believes in the new president of baseball operations, David Stearns, and is ready to get to work. Um, so, Jeff, what do the Mets need to get back to the playoffs? And do you believe in Carlos Mendoza as a manager? Also, is it time for the Buck Showalter effect? I mean, I'm counting on the Buck Showalter effect. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, just being honest, I'm like, this is fantastic. It got fired. We're going all the way this year, man. Um <laughs> So but, Jeff and Mark and I have had a theory and just for the for the listeners and for Will, who's the only one who's actually listening right now, um, that you, Will. Buck Showalter creates a team, leaves the organization, and then that organization goes on to win a number of World Series. And that began with the 90s New York Yankees. Um, he was part of the Dodgers team in the mid mid aughts that did really well. Uh, Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks, oh, the Diamondback Diamondbacks. part of the Diamondbacks team. He was even on this, or he even Orioles. had a part in creating this Orioles team that did very well this past season. So I think Buck Showalter might be a genius. Yeah, um, <laughs> he can't well, be that smart if he gets fired. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the catch, right? So you had a lot in that question. So I'm going to try and tease it apart, but I'll say everything I've heard about Carlos Mendoza is that he's awesome. It's um, awesome, by the way. I'm the, really sad the, you have him. Yeah, the Yankees were like genuinely upset. That Why did the boy. Yankees get rid of him? Yeah. Well, I think this is back they to the question. They can't be upset if they still have fucking Boone. <laughs> I mean, I think this is back to what you guys said, that Brian Cashman should be fired. But, mm. um, He's but such a garbage I, human. I'm excited about it. I think... I think it was just natural, right? They brought in David Stearns and every single time you bring in a new, you know, a new head of baseball operations, they're going to bring their guys in. That's like, that's yeah. a thing. So um, I think what was interesting was he wanted Craig Council and Council went to the Cubs, right? Mm -hmm. Which was crazy because that's mm -hmm. Milwaukee Cub. I mean, a whole other conversation yeah. there. Why, but, why, um, why the Brewers let him kind of walk to the Cubs? I don't have no idea. Oh my God. Cross the river. Um, Dude. No love lost between the Cubs and the Brewers. Yeah, no, no. People were like burning his jersey, like crazy, like in Milwaukee. But anyway, um, but I, I'm excited about it. I think he's a great manager. Now that said, I don't think the Mets are a competing team next year. They have no pitching. They've Senga. They're hoping to get uh, Yamamoto, who you mentioned earlier. They're we're hoping get to Yamamoto. Be... So the reason they think they have a chance to be clear is Senga. Is, is Yamamoto 
grew up cheering for Senga. They're like they're like mm. tight, so they're that's hoping cool. that that's, that's going to give them an advantage. Um, and Steve Cohen's richer than God. And Uncle Steve money. And Uncle Steve can outspend pretty much every other owner in baseball, um, <laughs> as he proved with the two pitchers he signed last year. But I don't see it though. Otherwise, did you guys get a thank you letter from the Texas Rangers? I was just wondering. Exactly. Even though I mean, Scherzer I, did nothing in the World Series, but yeah, I mean Scherzer. <laughs> So I maintain, I told you guys this last time, I think that was the right move. I think Verlander was not very good in the second half and Scherzer just got hurt multiple times. Yeah, they never should have signed him to begin with. (laughs) So it's bad signings to begin with and they're gone now. And we got prospects. They didn't learn from the guys across the river. Aging players for lots of money is a bad move. $40 million. They're both $40 million and they were both like close to their 40s. Yep. So... I don't I don't see how we're competing next year with with the pitching staff we have. That said, our lineup is still very strong. I mean, our lineup is pretty nasty. We, we I mean, top to bottom. And what is so, what is Mendoza going to say? I mean, right. Yeah. Rah, rah, brand new job. Trust in the system. I mean, that's <laughs> no, that's, I don't want all your money and I don't want to coach the a se- team in New York. Right. That's the <laughs> sentence. That's what he has to say. He has to be excited. He has to be positive. He's coaching a New York sports team. I'm excited for him as a manager. I think in 2025, we probably will be competitive. So, I don't know. What's the move uh-huh. besides Yamamoto, who's everyone's move? That I mean, that's like a null. Everybody's yeah. going to want him. Cody Bellinger. What's the move, though? Cody <laughs> Bellinger, sure. Cody Bellinger. Um, well, the move, I mean, what are you saying, next year? Yeah, I mean, what is the move to make them a competitor right now? Uh, they need pitching. and They need to uh, build the that farm is, system. Uh, well, so we mm. do have... Right, the reason I think 2025 is because the Mets have a lot of pitching at the double A level and the high A, double A, and moving to triple A next year. So the hope is that at least one or two of those guys is going to pan out. We have Senga still, he signed. We still have Quintana. So there's still there are still pitchers. Yeah, Edwin there. Diaz too. And we have Edwin Diaz as a closer. We still have arms. It's just I they're not going to be ready for next year, is the point. So um, so I'm all for 2025. I like Mendoza. Where do you think and, Clayton Kershaw lands? Hmm. Uh, no, <laughs> I think he's going to retire. You think so? I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's going to go back to the Dodgers one more year. Yeah, probably. Mm. I mean, finishing at the Dodgers is probably smart for him. If they, if they won the World Series this year, then he might retire. But no, he had a he had a pretty. I mean, the surgery he was underwent. Okay. No, no, but the surgery he had on his shoulder, guys, that was not like, I don't know if he's coming back from that. I mean, just the, the, the outcomes of, of the, um, the I mean, Chris Sellier, he'll just come after the all-star game and then he'll probably be out. And when you can't have Aaron Nola, cause he belongs to the Yankees. So you can have well, Kershaw, but we get Nola. No, I don't think, I don't think Kershaw's going anywhere if he does play, but I don't, I really don't think he's going to be able to play next year. I, the yeah. injured, he's being very optimistic with his shoulder injury that he had. Who's got a next topic? Rock and roll. So week 11 starts tonight, as we've already been talking about with the Bengals and Ravens currently playing while we record this very episode. Much to all of our surprise, the Bills are trailing the Dolphins in the AFC East and the AFC North is the best division of football with everyone above 500 as of this taping. The Chiefs and Jags lead the divisions as expected. Meanwhile, in the NFC, the Lions are the bells of the ball atop the NFL North. And no one seems to want to win the NFC South as no one is above 500, again, as of this taping. (laughs) Finally, the Eagles and and Niners uh, lead their divisions as expected, although Seattle is also tied for the lead in the NFC West. Now, with no clear front runner in either conference, there are clearly no automatics leading into the playoffs, except for maybe the Giants and Patriots, who are definitely not making it in. (laughs) So, everyone, are we confident at all? 
about who's making the Super Bowl and who do we think will represent each conference. So this is uh, just real quickly, which may influence people's decisions. Uh, we just got a updated report from pregnant sideline reporter Stephanie Ford Stefan that Joe Burrow has been declared out for the game with his wrist with a giant ass hand. Yes. That's the official diagnosis. I mean, when when his hand when your hand is the size of your head, it's probably and on a doubleheader week. Football. So fuck my yes. life. I'm sorry, John. The Bengals and John's fantasy playoffs. Have I, been had a, I had a I had I had a shot this year. Sad panda. Well, I mean, the Bengals were playing under their value. Honestly, I mean, Joe Burrow's been kind of injured all season. Oh, sorry. Another uh, pregnant sideline reporter, Stephanie Ford. Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Urgent update. Lamar is seen limping in the last drive. Uh, uh, he, they have a heating pad on his ankle, but he's still playing, just definitely playing hurt. I love how you, you give her yes. her entire cycle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, back to okay, sorry. On, on, back to topic. Yes. The Chiefs are hard to beat. I think the, the Eagles are hard to beat. I think the Ravens... Are as they? Long as lo- Wait, 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 wait. All right, I all right. think the Eagles First are of hard all, to beat. The Chiefs the offense Eagles. is not quite up to snuff. And the Eagles offense is also quite not quite up to snuff. And their mm. the Eagles defense is also suspect this year. They've been winning just pure, purely on grit and the fact that no one can really stop the brotherly shove. <laughs> and the Chiefs have Patrick and the Chiefs have Patrick Holmes. Let's I think, think about both the teams seven, are beatable. I think both teams are beatable. Win, let's just they look are, at the yeah. seven win teams, right? And there's not a lot of them anymore. If we look at the no. seven win teams. There's the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Eagles. Ha- Eagles have eight and the Lions have seven. I think the Lions are going to honestly, I, th- I would love please because the li- <laughs> seven and two so? with the best offense in the NFC. I would love to see the Lions in the Super Bowl. You're really I mean, sure they've never is been not before. really that good of a quarterback. Yeah, but Jameer no, Gibbs and Amon not, Rossi Brown are that good. Right. Well, I don't are. think I don't think the Lions need that good of a quarterback play. You could you could probably throw to the Lions, Mark. I don't think so. I don't think so. Keep, I mean, all right. David keep in Montgomery, mind, keep in, David keep, Montgomery keep in mind. and Jameer Gibbs, probably the best one-two running backs maybe in the league. Maybe. Mm. And Amon Ross St. Brown Montgomery looks unstoppable. Two, yeah. Actually unstoppable. He does look really good, yes. I, and especially with Jefferson going down, probably the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, but Jefferson's coming back soon. Tyreek Hill? No, he, no, he's not. He has one more week and he's not going to come back. Promise you. No, he has well, to come back. I mean, he'll he's yes, not going to come back. I'm just thinking NFC. He's going to come back eventually. He's just going to handle He's going to come back yeah. next season because he's going he's not gonna to come back next season. No, he's, he's not going to come back next week. He'll he's on back. week three. He's on week three. 21 days after his IR. He has one right. more week to come back. He's not playing this week. He has to play next week or he's not coming back. He'll be fine. <laughs> I don't think so. And so, so, but like, you think about it though, there are a lot of weird teams, right? This season, the Vikings are a weird team that maybe Vikings the Vikings are a weird team. Are, Josh Dobbs. Maybe the Vikings are good. And mm. the Texans, mm. the Texans, you guys, the <laughs> Texans might make something happen. So, Mm-mm. I mean, I would probably feel really bored for a Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl. I think oh, it's going to be Lions, I think it's but a Lions Texans Super Bowl? Fuck yeah, I'm in for that. That would that would, that that would be good to watch, but I think it's gonna be Ravens and Niners. I I would never call watching Patrick Mahomes a boring Super Bowl. That dude's a magician. <laughs> um, but the same but, fucking thing. It's the same. But so, I was gonna say, I think oh, you're leaving. Did you get sick of the Patriots and Giants facing each other Super Bowl? No. I mean, I liked beating them. 
John, <laughs> I, I think you're leaving out. I don't like saying this, you know, as a Giants fan, but uh, mm, the Cowboys look pretty it. good. The Cowboys look pretty good this they year. Just no, they, major, they just <laughs> they lost another major. They just lost another major defensive piece. Literally, I just. know. I saw. I saw they're still playing. This is the best they've been in a number of years. Uh, I no. mean, they played the Mike Giants McCarthy, twice already. Mike McCarthy is on his way out. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I think. Yes, they can beat up on the bad teams. They haven't really <laughs> beaten that. I don't think they've beaten any good teams so far. Yeah, I think Dallas has some of the similar problems with Buffalo. Is that like they can get all the talent in the world, they just don't have the coaching to actually create a game plan to the, beat the, the Cowboys. Best the Cowboys the are like the Dolphins. Like the, the both teams, very good at beating the bad teams. Not yeah. so very good about playing the good teams, though. I still think the Eagles look great, and I still think the Chiefs look great. And they I was going to say Ravens until you guys just told me that Lamar Jackson yeah. is limping. Yeah, I don't. He's fine. Is he? He's fine. 49ers, though. Uh, I, I've actually been a stand for the 49ers all season. I, I, I feel like they, I don't know how Purdy is doing this, but I mean, well, he's doing he, it because he, he has he the most the talent. Hands right. the ball to Christian yes. McCarthy. And or he throws, throws to Debo the ball Samuel. Or Debo, to Debo or Samuel or Brandon Ayuk or, you know, one or, of the other 8 million George Kittle. superstars. I mean, George Kittle with team. his beautiful flowing hair. Yes. I'd throw the ball to George Kittle. I've seen That's his hair catch man. a ball by itself. He's <laughs> using catch a ball. <laughs> but yes uh yeah. we niners <laughs> lions eagles that's yeah. the entire nfc afc honestly it could be almost anybody but as long as lamar stays healthy i would bet the ravens yeah so chiefs and niners chiefs and niners are the odds on favor right now i don't think the niners are gonna make it you guys i'll just point out i think you guys called it out last season so far lamar and the ravens are following their same pattern every year Lamar's great at the beginning of the season, gets hurt, and then sucks at the end of the season. So, so far, this sounds exactly like the pattern. I think you guys pointed that out last season. So. Yeah, the Ravens are I think the, super If Mark Andrews is out for a couple of weeks, I think they're hurt. in trouble. Yeah. I think they're in trouble without Mark Andrews. Andrews. Andrews might be out for the rest of the year, according to that injury. Moving out. I'm moving out. So I'm going to talk about an interesting news thing that happened this weekend. We're going to stay on the things we've been talking about. There's some unrest out of the New York Yankee camp. Um, GM Brian Cashman took some shots at Giancarlo Stanton. He uh, did. While giving, mm. while giving an interview uh, at the GM meeting this week, uh, struggling with what to do about Stanton, Cashman stated, but I'm not going to tell you he's going to play every game next year because he's probably not he's going to wind up getting hurt again more likely than not because it seems to be part of his game <laughs> oh no this of course drew a response from stanton's agent talking about the mental and emotional pressures of playing in new york and generally just being kind of pissed off um all that being said stanton is a prime example of the problem in the yankee front office over the last 10 years um he's been a mediocre addition and hasn't come big in any playoff games uh, do you think stanton is still good trade capital or are they better without him? Trade what? Trade capital. <laughs> That's not what you said earlier. <laughs> anyway, uh, are hard first of all, sometimes. first of all, going back to Brian Cashman, the, mm. that man is acting like he's about to get fired <laughs> by, saying, by saying words like that. Um, is he wrong? No, no, but no GM ever says that kind of stuff. Now, can John Carlos Stanton still be a good player? By the way, he just turned 34. I did not realize that. I thought he was he younger for old. that for some reason. He's got he's getting up there. He's been is on the Yankees really a lot longer for a baseball player. No, not really, but for a power hitter, it can be. Yeah, yeah I guess. I think the problem with him, right, too, is that he is big and lanky, and I mean, he hasn't played really in the field for a number. You know of what years I really, you know what I really thought mm. it, it, what I think it is, it's the cold weather. 
Mm-hmm. He does not like the cold weather. Like usually he starts the season off horribly and he ends the season horribly. But the middle of the year, at least when he's been in New York, he's been great. You want to know who when, knew that? When he was in Miami everyone. the whole time? Yeah, everyone. I know. I know. Everyone. So get Especially that guy some freaking Sir Derek Jeter, who, who was giggling when he was underwear. like, hey, you guys oh, watching he's, Carlos that's by the Yeah, that's by far the best move that Derek Jeter ever made was <laughs> getting rid of John Carlos Stanton. Mm. I mean, I'll just call out that the guy who made that trade that everyone knew was a bad idea is now the guy calling it out like he's some cool dude who's like, oh yeah, can you believe it? Look what I'm calling. It's like, <laughs> you knew this. This was all on paper. John Carlos Stanton has never, I'm sorry, he came close twice, has never been healthy a full season in his career. This was Damn. known when he was on Miami as well. So he knew what he was getting when he traded for that guy. I'm sorry. Like, so to call this out now, yeah, it's funny. It's fun to read about, but it's like, yeah. Why did you trade for him then, Brian? You knew that. Like, this is not news. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. Giancarlo Stanton's career, career postseason average, 265, 11 home runs. No, 265 is higher than I thought it was. (laughs) Completely (laughs) average, completely uninteresting. Just I would have believed 165. I mean, he hit 133 in the 2022 playoffs. That's so is he even declining rounds. from his average? Oh, God. John, nobody's trading for a player who's hit, who hit 191 last season. Nobody. Mm. You're not getting anything for him. Mm. If you want to get rid of him, you have to release him at this point. And no, nobody's going to sign him. You nobody's see how hard that... And the Yankees, by the way, um, Jeff, Jeff was mentioning, are hard-releasing players. They released five guys. Damn. Five guys in the beginning Just of the offseason. Like, away. You're all so, fucking fired. The way the contracts and salary cap structure is in the MLB, like, are they penalized salary for that? Are there, are there dead no caps? I mean, I, I know there's no salary cap, but like, <laughs> there's a soft cap, isn't there? No, nope. lux- nope. luxury tax. Luxury tax. Okay, which the Yankees no, no, so, are per- perfectly that's like happy a soft, with soft cap. Yeah. No, no, no. But that's changed a lot in these years, and the Yankees have actually tried actively because the the cap has become progressive now. So the idea is, if you go over it one year, it's a certain amount. But every year you're over it after that, it the tax gets higher and higher so most teams don't oh, like do it that. for very long okay. um that that's happened over the last five years so that's been a big change that's why the yankees have scaled back their payroll that's, that's why the joke cool, is the, actually yeah that's why the joke is the mets like essentially like we blew the luxury tax the last two years and mm. just because uncle steve is so rich he's like i don't care i'll keep paying the luxury tax <laughs> right so, like, maybe but, it's like okay let, let me take a year off now so i can reset the luxury tax but yeah no, nobody's going to sign. Nobody's going to trade for Giancarlo Stanton. I know. John. I know. I, well, I really want them to release him because I think releasing Giancarlo Stanton really is um is like a it's like a kind of a sign. They're like, okay, we're serious about the rebuild. Let's get yeah. rid of all of this dead weight because it's us dead weight. Every Just a Bobby Bonilla contract, a million dollars. Every day next, Stanton like, plays every game. That might be gonna, like five hundred years. He's going to get maybe one hit. <laughs> maybe one extra base hit. I mean, he's not useful. He's not a useful player. No. He doesn't play the field. I mean, all these guys. These he strikes out a lot. Handers, he strikes out a lot. All terrible. Yeah. I and agree. He's also, he's also the guy who you, you were referencing, if I remember correctly, Mark, he, um, his actual name, or sorry, he lied about his name. Mike Stanton. His name was originally Mike Stanton, and he also lied about his age, which a lot of the, the players from Latin America do this. This is a common thing. There was a right. couple. There's no couple one really players. knows how old Alfonso Soriano really is. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, I'll be some Fonzie. 
So I'm just calling it out because, like, let's just keep this guy in mind who he is. I mean, he's he's been this way his whole career. All right, guys, give me a next topic. Now, while watching the news earlier this week, I came across a story about three generations of women within the same family who are using psychedelics to help combat their anxiety in Colorado, where Hmm. psychedelics like mushrooms have been legal for a year now. In fact, more and more studies seem to be supporting the use of psilocybin and ketamine. The Journal of Psychoactive Drugs reported that psychedelics were effective in a reduction of symptoms in up to 80% of participants in certain studies. So picture this. And this is the part that GPT did, or ChatGPT did. A therapy session that's less Freudian couch, more cosmic journey. It's a blend of science and 60s flair, proving that sometimes the best medicine might be a trip to inner space. Ooh, that was a good movie, by the way. So everyone, what are our thoughts on using psychedelics to help with anxiety and depression? I mean, I think it's proven to be a pretty reasonable thing to do um microdosing has been around for a really long time jeff and you can correct me if i'm wrong um i know people who microdose who really really swear by it i mean yeah as as long as it's something that can be controlled and not cause long-term addiction sure i don't even and that's that's the one thing like that that, well i don't know they may not that's to be yeah that's to be seen no one has studied the long-term effects Mm -hmm. of psychedelics yeah i mean if they're if there's no conclusion for any kind of risk we live in a society right who for the last 30 years thought that um, marijuana was a bad drug. Yeah. And it's not. I, well, it's they not. didn't think that. That's just what they told us. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, mean people, I, there are people yeah. who did prison time for selling weed. Oh, yeah. No, there's I, still there yeah. are still people. People still, are still yeah. in prison. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I mean, the fact of it is that it is probably less damaging and less negative than alcohol it's been it's been illegal forever i'll just start my comment by saying full disclosure i've technically been against the war on drugs for as long as i can remember i don't personally use anything but like i've felt it's a complete farce and as far as i'm concerned we should legalize all drugs i have a pretty extreme so i'm calling this out to, so y'all maybe know not all drugs <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just stating so everyone understands my stance mm. when i when i say what i'm about to say um and uh, my feeling is treat them like sin taxes, tax them, and that way they become a net negative. They go from a net negative on society and our budgets, you know, at the state, at the local, state, and federal levels, to a net positive, um, so that we can actually put together programs that could potentially help people who do struggle with addiction. Um, that, all that said, so that's where I come from. There is a lot of growing research. You guys already said it on psychedelics. It's it's amazing. And honestly, the work that I'm most familiar with is, um, you know, my brother is a veteran. And a number, I know he's talked to me about a number of the programs where they are trying this out, especially with PTSD and helping helping mm-hmm. veterans kind of deal with and manage the, the symptoms of that. Um, supposedly the effects are like, you know, when you use it and, and specifically, let me be clear. It's not just like taking it and being like, Hey, I'm cured. It's, it's, it's a whole guided method, right? You Mm -hmm. take it along with therapy and it's a a guided process where it it supposedly kind of helps you reset the pathways in your brain. That's at least the the current science on it. And I don't know why guys, I don't know where you're all saying. I I think that's pretty cool. Anything that can help. I mean, I, I'm all I, mean, for I just it. said it in the chat. We'll mention um, can commercial antidepressants, anxiety drugs be controlled and not cause long term damage? I mean, there are a lot of FDA approved drugs that are known now to have caused damage. I mean, look at the uh, oxycodone epidemic. I mean, oxy killed a lot of people. Oh, that, that's FDA one of the approved. worst ones. Well, wasn't um, the ha- the fall of the House of Usher uh, show on Netflix kind of like a 
homage to that problem. Um, that, um, you guys saw that. It was like a, it was a Halloween their, horror um, show, but it was based on works of Edgar Allan Poe, but they were pretty much talking about the oxycodone family. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there have been a number of families, a, a number of shows, painkiller on Netflix that have been talking about, I think there was some probably NDA that expired this past mm-hmm. year. Cause there's like three or four or five shows about it, but that family purposefully got heroin approved by the FDA essentially, and then marketed it with pretty girls. I mean, yeah. if you talk about the ethical warnings, so scandalous. big business being scandalous. So controlling well, drugs or not controlling drugs, I think abuse and um, people with addiction problems are the thing that has to be attacked and not the drugs themselves. I agree mostly with Jeff. I'm honestly. Yeah, yeah that, that matters a lot more. I mean, I don't know if I would like have a, uh, you know, your local neighborhood heroin dispensary on the corner of the street. But heroin's but, a negative drug. Heroin no, is, is not psychocybin. It is not marijuana. Those are different things right, we're talking about. Right, right. When it, when it comes to drugs that are honestly, like, not proven to be as dangerously addictive and, and can be naturally grown, like, those kind of things, right. I mean, I don't see why... It's not well, meth, Other Other than some politically motivated reason, you know, to, to withhold that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other alternative models out there around drug addiction and how to deal with it. Uh, I would just say, you know, a lot of these drugs are being used today. They're causing huge problems. I, I understand the fear, right, with what I said. And, I, you know, that obviously sounds scary, right? It's like, oh, my God, That's there's a, a heroin yeah. dispensary. Um, that said, I know there's models in Portugal, for example, where they're realizing like, hey, this war on drugs and addiction isn't working. Yeah. So their whole model has shifted and they're actually following, I believe it's Switzerland also uses it, this model where they say, hey, come in and get the heroin, but we're going reg- to we're gonna help you, right? We'll, you'll sit in a chair, we'll give it to you essentially to make sure you're not overdosing and then you can go about your day. As crazy as that sounds and that scares people, it prevents people from overdosing and it at least puts them in a controlled setting. So it's just rethinking the whole model. I'm not saying that fixes everything. I'm just giving an example of, a, of an alternate model that yeah. I think... Like, we need to start to think about, um, and psychedelics, I mean, the reasons they were outlawed in the first place were crazy. I mean, if you just read, it was basically like they just got grouped in with all these other drugs. When there was research happening that's saying, hey, some of these seem like they have positive effects, right? Um, they actually do help people. So, I I, I don't know, Mark, I, I know you asked the question originally. I, I'm personally, like, all for anything that can help those conditions. Anxiety, depression, these are brutal Yeah lifelong diseases that are, are just very very horrible to deal with and if we have a tool in our arsenal that can help with that i'm all for it yeah and i mean i feel like the other reason they were blocked in the first place is because of some politician or some political party or corporation or some you know businessman that was like i can't profit off this so i'm going to get it off the streets and sell my my highly profitable alternative thing that I can corner the market. Well, yeah, with look how many people love marijuana now that they can profit off it with yeah, the taxes, just, right? Let's just step back for a <laughs> yeah. second. I mean, we as a society have been learning about everything about. I mean, not just science and technology, but about medicine and botany, and there, we just continue to get better at things as a population of people. And the idea that marijuana is beneficial, the idea that psychocybin is official is beneficial is an, is a new thought it's not an old thought and so maybe they just didn't know because honestly we were pretty stupid 100 years ago even 50 years ago we were pretty stupid comparatively right yeah 
I mean, all I can say, guys, is the ayahuasca did wonders for Aaron Rodgers. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, do you have any oh. thoughts about Aaron Rodgers' magical flask that he the spilled potion. on the field last week? Do you yes, what was in the potion? I, I, I heard you guys talk about it. All I'll say is, like, like Aaron Rodgers is just a weird dude. Like that looks like something out of the like like Legend of Zelda like Link's inventory just like fell out of his case oh there. Like what was that? Right into the next topic. Okay. So it's time, you guys. Jeffem's on the show, so we have to talk about Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Has to happen. All right. So none of you should be surprised that Jamie, my daughter, and I saw the Marvels this past weekend. Uh, the news out of the weekend, however, is that the movie didn't do so good. And and my question is that we and and everyone I have spoken to saw the movie was good. It was a good film. And so with a $47 million, which is honestly laughable, domestic opening weekend, the Marvels had the lowest opening weekend in MCU history, even under the 2008 film, not the good one, the bad one, The Incredible Hulk. Um, so my friends and I, aren't the only group that thinks this with the current Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 61%, but an audience score of 84%. And so with opening scores in the mid fifties, the consensus is that overly critical scores, as well as a lack of press and trailers due to the actor strike really sunk the Marvels in the post Endgame landscape. It, uh, it has become the meta too of critics to, to be overly critical of superhero films. So I for one enjoyed the Marvels, like I said, and was excited about going to it. Um, why do you think it flopped? And can superhero films regain their former glory? Don't you love how something that made $47 million in a weekend is a flop? It costs $300 million yeah. to make. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. So, they so may I, not make back that money that they spent to make the thing in the first place. As, as John alluded, I, I did this topic as well. And I, I was doing it essentially... Uh, I was blaming the actor strike. So keep in mind when movies come out, especially big blockbuster films, it's a marketing juggernaut. Just about all the actors are going on late night shows or morning shows. And they're, they're just talking about the movie the whole time. Meanwhile, until the actors, the act, right. The yeah. actor strike prevented them to do that. It mm -hmm. ended right before the weekend. Now. So the only way that they could really promote the movie was through commercials. And how many even of us watch commercials? The, right. Even the trailers, by the way, the trailers for this film, not full trailers. They were recap mm. trailers because they couldn't make new trailers for the film. Right, right. Oh, wow. And I didn't realize that that yeah. was part of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So, so was it, did it have something to do with the, the actors? I mean, this kind of proves why they have to do those big marketing plans of all of the, of the cast going out and, do, and promoting the movie, right? Oh yeah, I'm mean, getting in late night shows, uh, just having so like, this in, movie. In, by the way, and Jeff and I won't get that much into it. Like we could really ruin a lot of things, so we're not going to get into the into the nitty gritty <laughs> yeah, no potatoes. Spoilers. I didn't see film. it. I I I However, seeing it. I think yes. I have a question weekend, for though. Jeff. It's a top five Marvel film for me. What do you think? Uh, okay, I, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> well, I, did I you at least say, enjoy it? Jeff? How how is it compared you know, to the original, John? Did you uh, like the original, compared the original, the original. This was, not, this was not a sequel. This was a pickup yeah. on okay. uh, the current state of the characters in the. It MCU. just happened to have Captain yeah. Marvel in it. Just happened so, to have Captain Marvel. It's like an ensemble. Kind I mean, John, of movie, that's yeah. top five. Is a that's Ma a okay, pretty bold. Top ten. Uh, top ten. Um, huh. I honestly, I put it in more of the middling movies in Marvel, but I definitely did not think it was 
I, I don't think it's it was the in, like, best the thing out of phase five um, and maybe the best thing out of phase four and phase five. I mean, and that's not saying a lot, but yeah, I mean, phase five is just that's that's okay. It's um, as good as Widow. Widow was my fr- um, of the modern movies, um, the the phase four, phase five movies. That uh, was my favorite. I don't easily think, as good as Widow. I, I don't think I agree with that because there were a lot of more emotional moments. There were there were moments in this film that I thought like they were kind of um, poorly done. There were there were I, I like you said without going into details. I um, there were clear emotional moments. I, I guess what I would say about it, it was a fun film. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Um, there were emotional parts in the movie that should have hit harder, and they didn't because they were not they were not earned. They were not set up appropriately, in my opinion. Yeah, I can um, see that. Um, I see the the big problem with writing and movies yeah, and I shows think lately. That the thing that Marvel needs to focus on, which I think this movie did, is charismatic young actors. And I yeah. think that Amon Balani is as charismatic as yeah. um, Homecoming Tom Holland was. I think she's as good as he was. I heard she kind of stole the show. She did. She she definitely she stole the show. She was 100%. she was like, uh, honestly, I, I I mean, going off what you guys said though, right? This movie had a lot of challenges, right? It was pushed back multiple times. They had to do multiple reshoots because each time they tried to put it out there, the audience score was terrible. And you know, in those focus groups, they do. I think you can almost feel it. It had a lot of bad press going into it. And some of it legitimate. Not all of it was bull. Like the director did just walk away in post production, which is very weird. Like, right? I mean, it, like I, that was not bull. She did do that. Um, mm. And also, just being blunt, like you can feel it. She was an inexperienced director, and and you can feel that in the film. So I think, Mark, I agree with you. The writer strike, absolutely, no question. Like the inability to market this thing appropriate, huge part of it. I think the idea was pushed back. That was a big one. I don't think it was a. I, I don't agree with you, John. I don't think it was that good a film, but it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was not as bad as. Certainly, I agree with your premise. It it's wasn't as, as bad, bad as Incredible Hulk it, from two thousand eight with no. with Hulk Hulk poodles. No, it Remember was Hulk, a fun the Hulk poodles. I um, still haven't seen that one. Wait, was this the Eric Bana version or the Ed Norton version? The Eric Ed Norton Bana version. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait. Oh really? Because I like the Eric Bana one. Two thousand eight was a bad uh, film. I thought two thousand eight huh. was the. Uh, that was the Edward Norton version. Because 12... Yeah, yeah. yeah 2008 was 2012, Norton. 2012... Norton and Liv Tyler. The Eric Bana one was 03. Yeah. We're yeah. old. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> We're really old. That <laughs> was 20 years I ago. I think another problem with this film, which I didn't necessarily mind, but probably some people did, is that Darben, uh, Zoe Ashton, who is Tom Hiddleston's uh, wife now, mm. um, was not that threatening. She was a she okay. was a very forgettable villain. And, and Darben as she a character such a um, to to mm. jump in the back pages of Marvel Comics is a a base. She's a B side at best, honestly. Yeah, I mean, That's too I, bad. I thought it's. I, I was disappointed though because they didn't develop her at all, John. Like that was no. She was thing. just all of a sudden a big bad. She was just. She's a big bad. You don't understand her. You sort of understand her motivation, but like there's so much more development that they happen there. explain it ish at the end of the film, but yeah. it's kind of a throwaway explanation. Yeah, um, that's surprising but, for Marvel because they're usually so good at three dimensionalizing. They've been the really villain, struggling with big right? bads. Yeah, Sympath- like making you sympathize with with the villain characters, and that, that's and, been Marvel's shtick forever. Here's the thing about the Phase Five Big Bad, who is still gonna be Kang the Conqueror, um, and and they did a little bit of a better job. If you finish Loki season two, they explain him a little oh, more. Oh yeah. But I, what I think is they're being mm. a little too cerebral, and yeah. 
And the thing I've been saying where um, he is affecting things in the background, like kind of an imperfect narrator, he's affecting the timeline and the characters. They don't really realize things are changing, but things are changing. Hmm. They've kind of talked about now that that's happening, but it's so slow. The burn is yeah. so slow. And John, I just want to build on that. The other thing I think this film really struggled with, in all Marvel, this is not unique to their film. If you guys remember back in like 2008, 2010, 2011, there was the same characters kept appearing in the movies, right? Like you had Iron Man, Iron Man again, you had Iron Man again, you had Captain America, Captain America again. I'm talking about like Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Captain America, Thor, the Avengers. You kept seeing the same characters year after year. And, and as a result, it kind of kept you hooked. Mm. The last time we talked about Captain Marvel was 2019. Endgame, endgame. Yeah. You know what and, else I read? Right, I, I'm yeah. going on on that note. Um, they are getting really bad at um, remembering their after credits. Yep. There's a lot of lost after credits that they've never, like threads that they've just never pulled on. Mm. Yep. So like the so, after credits are becoming throwaways too. Yeah. It's almost like they they lost focus. I don't know what else to say. They tried to put too many people in. I mean, we talked about this last time. So I, don't I think this that. song, the, the songbook, I think that the back, they just got too big. Sorry, real quick before we jump to the next topic. Do I need to watch, what, what shows do I have to watch to be prepared for this movie? Nothing. Okay, um, I've heard WandaVision was a requirement. You need to, honestly, you should probably watch Miss Marvel. WandaVision, no, Miss Marvel, Marvel, and... Um, right. And honestly, a little bit of technically, and I, I say this, I'm sorry to say this. Technically, you should also maybe watch Secret Invasion. Uh, there's a little bit of that of fairy. in there. Yeah, fairies. Yeah, in there, right? it, it's fairy, well, but it's also the scrolls. And is Samuel yeah. Jackson a badass in it? Because I'd be no, fine with it if that's... Secret Invasion is very missable. And honestly, <sighs> you already understand the scrolls from what you know from Captain Marvel. I don't think you need to watch Secret Invasion. You do need okay. to watch Miss Marvel. You wouldn't understand anything if you don't watch Miss Marvel. Okay. That's fair. Add it to my list. Well, and WandaVision. Uh, WandaVision. Yes. You need to understand uh, Photon. You need to understand Photon's character. I think that'll be uh, next yes. now that I finished Chernobyl. Is this time for the next topic, yeah? So it was announced earlier this week that the first human eye transplant was completed in New York. This was part of a partial face transplant done six months ago on the victim of a high voltage electrical accident that affected most of the left side of his face. <sighs> now, it has been reported that blood vessels around the eye are functioning, but no vision in the eye has come about just yet. Now, surgeons are still hopeful as they've harvested adult stem cells and injected them into the optic nerve during the transplant. So everyone... What are our thoughts on the first whole eye transplant? I think we're waiting with bated breath to see if it fully works, right? Right, right. It's, it'll be completely miraculous if he regains his vision. I mean, that's like Nobel Prize worthy if it works. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you, did you research into how they're actually merging with the optic nerve and making the brain read the yeah, new it signals? Seems really it complicated. seems like it's science fiction, honestly. Yeah. A little bit, a no, little I, bit. Yeah. But I mean, it's if it works, it's kind of amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. The fact that sure. they even tr attempted it. The post-accident pre-surgery pictures uh, are, are, are a little bit gruesome. And, mm. But after the, the after uh, post-surgery pictures, it, it looks pretty good. Hopefully, he will regain his vision. Can he control the, like, his muscles and everything in his, in his head can control the eye? And he just can't see? Yeah. Like, so, yes. Oh, wow. So, 
so so yeah suppose there is some kind of muscle function in there okay. and like i said though so the blood vessels Except around the, the eye are that working work. that's uh, right <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's I, the difference between say, like at least it looks nice to like holy shit this is a breakthrough in medical technology of of uh, the century i mean cautious optimism cautious optimism because this is mm-hmm. like i don't this is if this if they pull this off and they're successful there's so many people this could potentially help absolutely so um people who are you know i mean obviously like the the where my mind went i don't know why you guys was like immediately hey the folks that are affected you know from birth right they're blind from birth and and being able yes. to help them at some point like to, yeah. to give them sight i mean that that would be incredible um but you know there are lots of people who are affected by all kinds of conditions where they they go blind later in life, and being able to like somehow fix that. Um, I mean, we've already come so far. The, the things we can do with artificial lenses are incredible. So uh, this is just an awesome next step. And you know, you combine this with Neuralink and uh, Elon Musk, and you know, then we've got uh, you know what's it, uh, Deus Machina, and you've got you know eye implants and everything else. So we're, we're just one step from that now. I'd be I'd be down for an AR heads up display for sure. Mm. <laughs> I mean, can we just like jump to the ethical implications of sure? Like, I mean, are I mean, there is there a limit? Okay, just play devil's advocate. Is there a limit to what we should do as humanity? I mean, we're already creating artificial intelligence. Why not? I mean, you know, it's not artificial intelligence, so that's not. There, there's, there's no, but also, I'm saying like, of like you're talking about upper boundaries. I mean, we cloned a sheep, and people were all up in arms about that. What if you there, start cloning humans? There's also certain animals that are being harvested for their organs, so that they could be used for organ transplants. Yeah. What? So talk about ethics, right? That's a little shady. Is a like a biological eye? a better solution than a mechanical one like if we're getting to a place where in a perfect world we can we can interface with the optic nerve in a way that is appreciable right who says we can't put you know bionic eyes in people which would be awesome by the way i'd be down for a bionic eye i could i mean i could see avenues for both and it may depend on the type of injury or like the type of person's brain you know they we may get to a point where they could say like hey you have the right qualifiers for your neuron function where a natural eye transplant is the way to go or you you know what I mean, for you the natural cool, eye won't right? work but the bionic one will right mm-hmm. i could see both working it's just and then what do you put in a bionic eye do you put like bin- binocular vision mm-hmm. do you obviously I mean, do you- x-ray vision and infrared and <laughs> infrared switch to infrared predator, do you have predator to hit your head vision. when you switch to infrared yeah, it's double. It's 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 like um like Bluetooth earphones. Will says lasers. Long long tap <laughs> for uh, lasers. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I love it. That sounds awesome. Why? Well, just I, like we as a as a species. I mean, and we know this. We need to improve because that's what evolution is. We improve or we die. Um. So I think that we should try to get better, and we should try to survive and improve for sure but well what's the limit i guess is is my question it's just killing me that this conversation is flowing perfectly into like what elon musk feels is like oh we have to evolve and we need to merge with technology and like <laughs> it is playing perfectly into like everything he has said oh, no. i bought it up because it's crazy we are the borg you will be assimilated into the next, next topic, topic. <clears throat> and just because it won't be pertinent later um the sports gods do know how to make an exit. Uh, soccer megastar 
uh, Megan Rapinoe's soccer career has come to a mm. painful, ironic end. Um, Rapinoe, 38, bowed out early in the final game of her professional soccer career Saturday due to injury in the league final between her team, the OL Reign, and the Gotham Football Club. Um, these are the female teams, obviously. Rapinoe, who announced her retirement in July, shared after the match that she believes she tore her Achilles, sharing that she heard a loud pop in her leg after a non-contact injury in the third minute of the game. Um, so... After such a career, um, multiple Olympic victories, um, what a lame way to go out. And I just kept thinking about Black Widow, like, this is not a cool way to die. <laughs> and so, what do we think about this injury? Um, Megan Rapinoe, before, still playing at such high level at 38. And what's next for the superstar? All right. First of all, it's for Pino. I don't care. Rapinoe. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, listen, so her career, she's going to go down as a legend. She's won two World Cups. It could be argued whether or not she really deserved to be on the last World Cup team. Uh, unfortunately, she did miss that penalty kick and they were mm. they were out in the, um, the, the the first round of the, the knockout round. But she's listen, she's done a lot for the game. She helped women get equal pay. The women's yeah. team get equal pay than the men. That's Which, huge, yeah. to be honest, I think they should be getting paid more than the men just because they actually win. <laughs> probably better ratings, too, actually. It is they probably get better about? ratings. So what's next for Ma uh, Megan Rapino is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Etch that in your skull. It's all um, not going to work. I mean, she's still going to be in, in the limelight. Uh, she's, she's, she's very big with social causes. So... Uh, she's definitely not going to fall out of the eye. Now we'll see. And and who's her? Uh, who's her significant other? Sue Bird. Bird. Mm -hmm. uh, also a legend in her in her sport. So uh, let's let's see if the those two women I think have talked about ownership of uh, of uh, of a sports franchise. Uh, if they're not already, uh, I, I could be wrong. They they might have been. They have. Do some they live kind in Seattle? Would they purchase? Uh, I believe the they live even? in Seattle. Oh, well, I believe they have some stake. They they may or may not have some stake in the Los Angeles team that's that's coming up. Okay. Or or that's, the, or cool, that's already there. So I mean, uh, as like we'll um, see. big uh, big figures in uh, diversity in sports and and women's sports, but sports in general. Um, I would love to see them on a team. That would be great. Yeah. Um, I would love to yeah. see her do announcing. That would be great. I mean, there's a lot of things, obviously, she can do as being like a major, major name. Mm -hmm. um, we're going across the news articles this week and watching her um, kind of just peter out of um, her career was, it was sad, I think. A it's little kind of bit. a sad and, I mean, way to end a career, right? On a, right? a career-ending yeah. injury. But I, I mean, you can't control those things sometimes. What comes to mind is Joe Theismann. Joe yeah. Theismann oh, broke yeah. his leg at the end of his career. And, the, the the only difference was Joe Theismann still had probably plenty more years to to play. Right. Uh, yeah, Rapino was was, was definitely at the end of her, her last year. game, being the finals of her last yeah. official season. Yeah, didn't that yeah. end Bradshaw's career too? It's very rare that a sports figure ends their career well. That's yeah, all. That's I'm, true. Yeah. I mean, almost all of them stay too long. Almost all of them, you know, something happens. I, that said, I mean, I. I do feel like watching that was pretty sad. I, I watched a video of what happened and, and her like tearing the Achilles and you could see she knew immediately. And yeah. it, it was just like, Oh, that's she knew, right. You know, she heard it. Yeah. She was like, yep, that's it. it. It, although the only, for some reason it reminded me of Mariano Rivera 
when yeah. he said it was going to be his last season and he's shagging fly balls and he blows his knee out. And then he decides like, no, I'm going to make next year the year. And he came back and played again. Um, he was okay. And he was okay. Yeah. He was definitely at the tail end okay. of his career, but he, at least he got his farewell tour. Um, mm. I don't do you know. Rapino would do the same thing. Change your mind or no, 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 no. I, I don't think I, I mean, the difference is she, she's, she said she was, she announced she was retiring because clearly her skills were yeah. fading. It just um, fell off. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, there are so many players you can name where that happened. Right. I mean, the most recently I hit another sport, Tom Brady probably played one year too many. I mean, he was terrible. One year, last year too many. They almost, always, almost every great by player the way. does. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I'm just giving recent examples, but there's, I think you can go back in history and find yeah. so many of these where the players just plays a little too long and, sure. and fades out, right. Burns out, uh, you know, or fades away rather than burns out. So it's, it's, it's always hard to watch. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, life goes on for these, for these famous yeah. players. I mean, like she could, she could be the, uh, the real life Ted Lasso's Roy Kent kind of <laughs> post post his career. Right. Yeah. yeah I don't see coach. her as a diamond dog. I don't see okay. her as a diamond dog. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> And it doesn't change the the achievements she had in her career. To be clear, no, right? it doesn't change anything. No. Jeff, I think you're right. I think she's going to be an announcer. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I don't think I said that. I thought yeah, you said that. Someone said that. John said that. John said that. That was me. I knew well, someone said it while having co-ownership in the Seattle Storm. That sounds great. Either Mark, way, you're right. She, that was a great idea. I'm glad I said that. <laughs> yes, she could do it was a good of, idea, Jeff. Um, yes, Thank she you. could do a lot of good as a very outward spokesperson ambassador to the game, especially for the U.S., right? To keep it relevant, keep it popular. Next topic. It's time for my favorite segment. Quick shots to your balls. <laughs> oh. although, although, in all honesty, it's an excuse to unload random topics I've written over the course of the season. Now, I will ask these quick fire questions that everyone will give their first impression. Is everyone ready? Hell yeah. Yes. Should we read into players like Steven Strasburg and Miles Jack retiring early in their careers? No. No, Barry Sanders did it. Yeah, I would say no. Okay. Thoughts on Adam Jones and Adam Wainwright retiring and only playing for one team? It's rare, rare these, these days, days, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Extremely rare. I mean, I, I don't think know if, that's great, though. Um, yeah, yeah, you can call it admirable. Careers, yeah, they've had they've had some long careers too. Yeah, as, I mean, as and long you as think about it, right? And and you literally just said it. We don't want to think about the year that Michael Jordan was a wizard. <laughs> no, we don't, because that's a dumb year. It was actually and two if, years, right? And if I mean Derek Jeter ever wasn't a Yankee, that would feel wrong. No, yeah. as yeah. long as those players made bank financial, you know, to to set themselves up post career on that one team. Sometimes that can be tough, right? Like players don't always get the big contract if they stay with the team. That's why they Brady leave. Brady won a Super Bowl with the Bucks, but should a Brady have been a Buck? Probably not. Hey, he uh, got another Super Bowl out of it. When you think of Brady, you're not going to think of the Bucks. You're going to think no. of the Patriots. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. Adam Wainwright, like when I think of the Cardinals, at least in my lifetime, it's Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Those are the and two Al guys I think and of. And Albert Pujols. Uh, Pujols less, though, because he left. Like he, I, he's a cardinal. He'll always be a cardinal in my eyes. Mm. How we remember Miguel Cabrera's career? One of the greatest hitters of all time, right? Yeah, I, I will say fondly, like he's one of the greatest. He won the time. triple crown. Yeah, the dude was in, the dude is an incredible, mm. incredible hitter. Like I've I, never won a title though. I know. 
Do our thoughts on Shohei change, and will his contract money be different after tearing his pec this season? Yeah. Of course. I, I don't know. Will he's it, a commo- At the end of the day, he's a commodity, and he is a less valuable commodity now being injury prone. Jeff, do uh, you agree? He's still going to make a fortune. I think he's still going to yeah, make a like, fortune. Is this his first major injury? Because I feel like he'll get an excuse. For Sorry, he'll no, probably no, no. only make half a billion dollars yeah, that, as opposed to uh, three quarters yeah. of a billion. It, it, well, exactly. I guess yeah. that being said, um, baseball owners make a lot of bad decisions and signing Shohei will sell a lot of tickets. So It will, knows? yeah. And I mean, it he's, may delay his fortunes, but I don't think it's going to stop him. He He's only injury-prone pitching. He's still an amazing hitter and... I, 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 he's going to get paid. I'm with Mark. He's, he's going to get paid. No question. All right. Should Tua get a big long-term deal after this season? Yes. He's stayed healthy and played phenomenally. Mark doesn't think Why? so. How okay. can you not think that Tua is only a good? Billi- a billion touchdowns okay. is bad yeah, that's, for that's great that Tua can beat the bad teams. He can't beat a good team. Hmm. I'm sorry. That does not deserve the big contract. Because, so it's been proven that he's really good at, at going to his first or second option. After that, he's like, I don't know what to do. Oh, so he's fits. So he's fits magic. No, fits magic. That was his knew thing, exactly right? what to Fitz, do. Patrick was the same thing. No, at least Fitzmagic would would like throw it in the air like really long. Tua well, just Fitz, stands okay. there. Hold on, Fitzpatrick knew what to do. He just his arm didn't do the thing that his brain I think wanted Pete it just to said do. This maybe a week or two ago, and a quarterback like. Um, Brady and quarterback like Patrick Mahomes is going to make a middling receiver better. Um, he's going to have that like one second faster reaction time to make a middling offensive line better. And a quarterback like Danny Dimes doesn't. Is he I worth wish. more or less than Danny Dimes? And then, and then when you think about it too, um, more than Danny Dimes. Um, <laughs> when you think about it too, these middling quarterbacks on good teams um, that are getting made better, like. I think that Justin Jefferson make Kirk Cousins look better, right? I mean, I think that probably Amon Ross St. Brown is making Jared Goff look like a fucking superhero, <laughs> right? <laughs> because he's just that good. Um, you still so need good receivers. You're never going all the way. You, you A bad player oh, in a position right, will bring right. down a good player in another position. They will always, every time. Yeah. All right. Next, next, next question. Now, Patrick Mahomes on the recent Manning cast admitted that he wears the same underwear uh, every uh, game that he plays. He, now he Gross. does wash them in between. But oh god, I hope so. But, but athletes have some crazy ass superstitions, and I want to know what superstitions what superstitions do we have, or did we used to have? I used to. Um, one of the first things Melanie got me was a block of wood, uh, and it was really cool actually. So she sanded it down and she put it on a keychain because I used to um, knock on wood all the time. I still do. This was one of the nicest things she ever did. I was just like, like, wow, this is really like thoughtful and and stuff. I knock on wood all the time. I cross myself in front of uh, when I go by um, cemeteries Cemeteries. all the time. That story. I generally, um, I'm probably a little OCD involved with this. I used to count the stuff that I had (laughs) in my pockets. You know what show show I've been re-binging lately is Monk. Yeah, Mm. yeah, that's a good show. Um, I don't know. Uh, superstition and OCD in general is a funny thing that it's fine as long as it's keep you're getting out of your house and you're not doing you're not like missing out on your life. That's like the that's like the marker of mental illness. As long as it's not impacting your life, it's not a big deal. All right. And final one. What sport that we haven't talked about yet should we discuss during the next episode? High life. Curling. High curling. Curling. <laughs> curling. Hey, we know somebody that plays it. 
You guys, highlight gambling is one of the most amazing things you'll ever do, by the way. Mm. Highlight is fucking cool as shit to watch. I think you guys should talk about pickleball. We already did. <laughs> we did. You actually talked about pickleball? I don't did remember I this. That? When did this happen? I yeah, think that was when? last season because that was the last time I asked this question. I think. Okay. <laughs> hey, Mark. Do you know what time yeah. it is? We are ready for the. I mean, Pete, you could auto-tune that and, you know... Do it! Tempo Do it, Mark! <laughs> there are technological do limits it. to what I, what I can I, do. I almost thought Jeffen was going to sing it. Uh, Jeffen, you, you want to do it? it? I thought about it. You guys are too good, though. <laughs> All right. It's the final topic! <laughs> and so we're going to go off script. Um, I talked to Mark about this this morning. Um, in honor of Pete's last show, before he goes on his parental hiatus... Um, we're going to do a question honoring Pete. Um, so before your son arrives, I, like I said, we want to dedicate a topic. <laughs> our research suggests that sharing a passion for a team or a sport can foster emotional intimacy and mutual respect. And, and so I can guess we all grew up in fairly sport-centric households and fond memories and love for specific teams and traditions, definitely my memories. Um, <laughs> so guys... All of you, I wanted to ask, what is your favorite sports memory with your dad? What are you the most excited, Jeff and Pete, to share with your sons? My dad and I, my dad was kind of the, uh, the first person to introduce me to sports. He was a big Celtics fan, Boston Celtics. And he was the one that brought me to my very first Celtics game. Um, it was kind of in like the nosebleed seats, but it was still very exciting to watch. And then I remember going to a game that was closer to the to the court and i remember how th these were 50 dollars. Uh, right now these tickets i think would be 300 three to four hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. they're 50 dollars at the time and um and i it's th this was a few years after i had uh my dad and i went to the first game and my mom i remember my mom was astonished of at how big of a sports fan i had become and was like you know was like booing the other team or like when yeah. when they were when they were at the free throw line i go boo and my mom was like that is so disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> uh but my dad and i will always uh will always love the celtics um and we 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 still talk about it to this very day uh, there was a while that we were going to Celtics games every year. Uh, unfortunately, we don't do that anymore. But it's uh, it's definitely a tradition that I I loved and cherished to this day. So we um we did a lot. We did a lot. We went to a lot of Yankee games. Um, we didn't go to a lot of Knicks games, but actually we bought a home season package or like a quarter home season package for the Nets. It was easier to get into the Nets than it was the Knicks. So we won a bunch of Nets games. And we're talking we about the, that, yeah. Saw the Nets play the Knicks. I think the one memory, though, that sticks out in my head is we also bought a quarter home package one year for the Yankees. We won a lot of Yankee games, and we would drive. And so this was in the old stadium. We used to drive up the Throgs Neck. And we used to park in the parking lot fucking way far away. But we used to have this converted van. And so we'd bring these crazy Italian sandwiches that my parents would make. Um, <laughs> right outside like olives and just like crazy meats and it was awesome um, so there's one year that the one year we went to playoff games when we got this i had to study for a test i went to a really hard high school and i had to study for a final so i was in the car i was eating my weird sandwich i was studying for like a math final before the game that they lost by the way totally disappointing Ugh. but i remember um that season 
the only time my dad really mild-mannered, the only time I've ever seen my dad mad at a stranger is we were up far and these guys were so wasted and they were spilling beer on everyone. And my dad literally stood up. He was like ready to fight this dude. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Sports but, um, Jerry is a different Jerry. Different yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Tons of traditions, tons of superstitions. Um, and I think that sports in general, like playing sports, playing CYO was one of the things that, I mean, there's a few things um, that you can learn in sports, but sports is the only place you learn them. And I think that's really important for kids. So I remember as a kid, like growing up, um, there wasn't like one memorable Bills moment that I had. I mean, my dad did take me to a Bills game. Actually, it was against the Patriots in 91 season when they were expected to return to the super bowl and they did but um yeah i was in a giant blue snowsuit because it was like negative fifty thousand degrees that (laughs) amazing game but it was awesome um we like remember going to story and couldn't put your arms down yeah but (laughs) i just remember him like my first uh i think it was my first professional sports game ever was a sabers versus the u.s olympic team exhibition match in the old <laughs> war memorial auditorium uh, arena in buffalo which is now demolished uh it was this like dark dingy old hockey arena with an ice rink that was smaller than nhl regulation but the sabers played in it until 1996 anyway i had no idea as a kid like what i was watching and anytime the sabers would score i was like oh that, that's my team from buffalo so i was just cheering and be like you suck to like the u.s team <laughs> so i didn't know i was like seven um but i i just still remember that it was such a cool experience i was like wow this is amazing you know that first feeling when your dad takes you or, or mom or, or whoever you know to this big game um and to this day in Bills games, when uh, anytime the Bills are on defense, I still yell the same stuff my dad would say on the screen when I was a kid. You'd just be like yelling at uh, yelling at the Bills, like somehow through the television going, get them, get them, like at the quarterback. I say the same thing. It's awesome. It's, it's awesome. Amazing. What are you the most excited about? Um, obviously not this year or next year, but maybe when he's six or eight or yeah, ten. or how old? Yeah, will uh, yeah, your son I mean, be before he goes to his first Bills or, or yeah, Sabres the, game? Right. I mean, it'll be in a different stadium than I went to as a kid. Right by that point, and Josh Allen may be retired by the time. No, he won't. My kid is <laughs> old enough. Well, I mean, the I didn't you guys really get into football until I was nine or um, ten, which is so. actually really interesting. Is kids are sponges, like really yeah. sponges. And so the thing that you remember saying the same stuff your dad did, like your sons will hear you and they will get excited over it. I saw Pete actually liked it. I saw the craziest video on Instagram today. This boy, Hmm. this little boy is watching sports with his dad and he understands what a touchdown is. And so he puts his arms up. Oh, I saw that. Dad is disappointed because it's the other team. So he sees his dad's disappointed and then he lays back and he's sad like his father. And it's so cute and so funny and so relatable. I saw that. It's so adorable. Yeah. I I showed that to Steph actually this morning like yesterday or this morning it was yeah i thought that was amazing yeah yeah i can't wait um i'll try to get him involved in it early i think sports fanning fandom is just a cool thing and i mean not just watching but like playing too i remember remember a lot of times in my backyard my dad trying to teach me how to throw a football Mm -hmm. i mean those are memories i still have right yeah for sure for sure yeah so i would say my memory for my dad was um my dad's not a huge sports fan but he was a Mets fan and uh, my, one of my earliest, 
is is wasn't is was in is um one of my first memories my father's an electrician uh, i've mentioned that before mm-hmm. um so he's part of the electrical union and the electrical union had a box seats at uh shea stadium cool. and i was a fan of daryl strawberry doc gooden like all the famous 80s players um and my father one year there was a lottery right like you couldn't just get these tickets you had to apply and occasionally you'd get them and i remember my dad got the tickets the box seats at uh shea stadium you know right on the field level it was amazing and at the time we couldn't have afforded anything like that um and i remember going to that game and i remember just seeing all the players my first time at shea the whole nine yards it was uh, uh it was a really cool experience i was very young but it was a cool experience um in terms of sharing with my son, I, I think um, I'm really excited to share the Mets with him. Like I, I already got him a Mets onesie, so, uh, and he's been to a ga- and he's already been to his first game. We got a little plaque that says like his first game and a photo and everything else. Ah, it's super um, cool. Yeah, most of the teams do that, uh, but me- the Mets do that. They said it's a thing. You walk up to their guest services and they do it for you. So it was super very cool. cool. That's cool. Um, and I'm excited to share that with him. And honestly, the the thing I'm really excited to do is play catch with him. That's that's what I think about. I want. I'm really excited to do that. Just toss the ball around with him. He oh, already. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'll just share it because this. I now we're talking about. I just happened today. He held a baseball for the first time today. I was Ooh, tossing okay. it up in the air. I ha- I always have a baseball floating around. I, I was tossing it up in the air, and he was like fascinated, <laughs> and he just reached over with his tiny hand and just grabbed. Which it. hand? Which hand did he reach for with it? Okay, so I said this already. Ooh, okay. He reached with his left hand. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> he's been spending a lot of time. He's been spending a lot of time with my mom, who's a lefty. Oh, so okay. I'm just saying. Well, we'll um, say, right? You never know. And they, switch they switch sometimes. So, uh, Pete, you're hey, going to notice, too. It's even better. All right. Kids, babies are really weird. Even if he comes out blonde hair, blue eyes. He might not keep his blue eyes. He might not keep his blonde hair. Who knows? And same yeah. thing with handedness. He might just change. Sure. I've seen I've seen kids change that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. right. Uh, we do have, Steph and I have a, a little surprise uh, Bill's Phantom Initiation ceremony uh, that, that we're, well, you guys will see in time. Rock and roll, man. That's awesome. Well, guys, I think that that's fantastic. I'm very, very excited for you guys. Um, like awesome. really excited so congratulations Pete. congratulations sure. guys yeah congratulations. before we yeah. before and we sign off for his his son's continued fandom uh, exposure too so before we sign off we would like to thank our friend and producer pete stefan for all of his hard work over the last year and uh he will be off for a little bit while he and his wife steph welcome a new baby into their lives so congratulations pete and best of luck Thanks, guys. <laughs> and we are gonna try to continue to bring you the show like we did today <laughs> maybe not 20 minutes late you'll be fine we'll be something Will be something. All right, you ready, John? Uh, are no. you ready? I am not. I am not ready. Okay, so, so you're John, gonna have I'm to gonna figure it out. Here's some behind the scenes. I'm gonna run you through this. All right, ready? So Mark's gonna say he's gonna thank the guest. Right, we're all gonna say like thanks, guys. Jefferson's gonna say like thanks, guys. That's when you hit play on the outro song. Mark's gonna say his thing, and somehow it's gonna magically time up to where we all say like goodbye <laughs> right before the lyrics come on, and the second Steph starts singing, you hit that transition to the outro, and we're and you know, turn off the mics and then we're good. So you said play the song twice. I was just going to play the song, say when he said, that's what you think that these balls could talk because that's the you most. You've got to start about 20 seconds sooner than that. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. We'll we're see. Gonna we're going to try it. We're going to try it. 
So that has been our 10 topics. We would like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Jeff. Thank, thank you, boys, Jeff. for having me. As Thanks, Jeff. Please subscribe to us by tickling that little bell or follow or like us on our socials at If These Balls Pod on X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. Our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com. This is Mark Pesci, and for my partner, John Campania, and producer, Pete Steffen, that's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. Bye, everyone. Good night, everybody. If these balls